Y'all ready to rock? Awesome. Hi, I'm Chris White, and I wrote and directed a coming-of-age music movie set in a world that, while very real and important to me when I was a teenager, is more on a foreign planet or alternate universe to most people. This past year, we've screened Electric Jesus, a comedy about a group of heavy metal missionaries in the summer of 1986 at dozens of film festivals across the United States. And we're just about to release the film everywhere, Audiences have bonded with the characters in the story, but more than a few have asked questions about the music and the subculture that produced it. Electric Jesus, the music behind the movie, is your VIP backstage pass into this crazy world. And in the immortal words of Skip Wick, our Christian rock huckster with feet of clay and a bad toupee, the rock and roll road show, praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. Episode 2, You Gotta Believe, The Secret to a Great Rock Soundtrack with special guest Daniel Smith. John, one of the things about Daniel Smith is, uh, and I think of this almost every time I'm with Daniel Smith, is like, I wish I had known you when I was young. Like, I wish I had a Daniel Smith in my life when I was a teenager because he he he's such a creative imaginative and just reasonable guy right. <laughs> um and i just i didn't i didn't have i didn't know a lot of people did you know people like daniel when you were young yes just that creative <laughs> and and but i'm an anomaly and i will say what's fun is about this whole journey with you in this film is that when you first told me that you were making a movie about a Christian hair metal band in 1986. Oh, and there's this guy, Daniel Smith from Danielson, and he's going to do all the music. I thought, now I've known Daniel since the beginning. Like I've, I, he, he came to true tunes. He, I've known him since he started doing music. I love that guy. He's amazing. I thought you had lost your mind. <laughs> I was like, what are you <laughs> thinking? Like he's the most artsy out there cool indie like he's gonna do metal it's gonna sound like you know quirky weird like it's gonna be a send-up i totally thought you know i thought oh my gosh this guy he found the wrong as as much as i love daniel smith he found the wrong guy boy was i wrong so we're gonna talk about your partner in crime uh who and we're gonna talk with him and to him and bring him in on this uh, and, uh, so yeah, I was really, really happy to have been as wrong as I could be about your choice in a uh, composer and co-writer for electric Jesus. But yeah, I did. I was fortunate to have people like Daniel Smith. We'll talk about that more later, but for now, maybe, uh, you know, here's something else about Daniel and here's the, here's the little thing that I think he and I connect on so well. And also like the thing that made it clear he was the guy to work with on this movie is his complete lack of irony like he's very sincere and he was able to step in this space 
without any winking at the audience. Right. And and that is important to Electric Jesus, that Electric Jesus is not making fun of its characters or the music. It's having fun with them. And it's it's taking them as seriously as they took themselves. And he's he's that you know if if you say we're going to take this seriously he's all for that he's there there for that all day long all right well let's head into the interview suite with daniel smith chris white and myself talking about electric jesus So, hey, Daniel, welcome to the Electric Jesus podcast. <laughs> this is going to be a fun uh, conversation, but the first thing, just right off the, the bat, I wanted to ask you guys to talk about is when you first started conceptualizing how this thing was going to work and what it was going to sound like, how did functionally that conversation start and then how did the conversation turn into actual work so that there's actually music getting made that's going to end up in the movie so just kind of walk through how how the score the sound design the concept of the music started what was the genesis and how did it go from genesis to actual creation i think it's fair to say that when we started working on electric jesus music neither one of us really knew what we were doing in terms of making movie music. And I think that worked in our favor for both of us. You know, the first thing is how, how is Daniel going to get paid? How are musicians going to get paid? How are we going to make this happen just practically financially so that we can properly collaborate? A lot of the early work on this was business work that we did and our our business partners that we're both married to, our wives were also involved in that. I I mean, it became a, you know, we were trying to figure out what is this gonna take to pull this off? And and this was before we had a first day of shooting set, you know, like we we think we're gonna shoot in, in several months. And if we are, we need to start working, but how do we start working? So a lot of it was just practical to begin. And then once it began, then it became, let's make some 80s rock songs. Yeah, I can, I, I can add to that. It started with, uh, I mean, a couple couple thoughts at the same time. One was the practical of, of, okay, well, we have to figure out how we're gonna, we can afford to do this. And that was one thing. Uh, and at the same time, we didn't really wait for that to kick in. We just, while we're waiting around, let's let's start with something. <laughs> and the way I remember, like I had forgotten this, but I think we, I think I wrote the music for Barabbas first. I think that was before Commando, the way I remember it now. And, and so, uh, but again, this music needed to serve the characters that Chris created in this story. And then part of the characters are these bands. And the first band and the most important band is 316. So that's, we really kind of started with just the ground floor up. You sent me the lyrics to Barabbas, I believe it was, now that I think about it, first. And um, during those couple months of just kind of beginning this discussion, that's when I was fully immersed in uh, metal of all sorts, circa 85 through 87, and other Christian music too. But 
I was kind of in that world. I was excited about this idea and thinking about how to write music to these lyrics. And so we kind of just started and hoping uh, that, you know, there would be a shooting date at some point. <laughs> but also we recognized that the music needed to be at least in rough mix form before we shot any of these scenes. So the music needed to be written. And sometimes, you know, writing things happens quickly and sometimes it takes a long time. So you don't really know. So the sooner we start, the better. I, I remember just saying, we got to get this stuff done. If, especially because I think at the time, the first round of kind of initial uh, shooting plans was, it wasn't a full whatever it ended up being year and a half later, but um, which I'm glad I had all that time <laughs> now that I look back. But yeah, we started with one song and it was super fun and uh, it, it seemed like it was working. And then we worked on Commando second, I believe. Uh, but you had all these lyrics written, right? For the for, for Barabbas, Commando and Girl. I believe those lyrics were written when you wrote the script or after that or certainly before I. Yeah, we. I would come to a place when I was writing the screenplay where a song would go and almost like a musical, like in the in the idea of a Broadway musical, the, the action is happening and then the characters start singing when there's something that needs to be expressed. The emotion is best expressed in song. So when I would come to places where there, these songs existed, it felt like I needed to put a marker down and say, this is what they're singing and what they're singing about. So that, that uh, certainly did come in the screenplay. And, you know, one of the gifts of working with Daniel was that you know, when I, when I, I, I did say, look, I wrote some words, but they, these don't have to be the words because I don't know how to write a song, but it seems like these would be the words. He was, he was very kind, or it was just a generous thing for him to say, no, no, let's, let's use them. Let's use them and let's build the song around the words. Um, I'll say this too, you know, like one of my favorite uh, uh, music movies is Once, the John Carney movie uh, with Glenn Hansard from The Frames and, and one of the reasons that very simple, beautiful movie works so well is the songs are strong. Uh, many of those songs had been honed over years with Glenn's band, The Frames, touring. And, you know, so not a, you know, a few of those were new songs in that movie. But if you think about music movies and rock and roll movies, and you think about the ones where the songs really were good, you know, they, they stuck with you or they become a part, they become a character in the movie. Um, it, it's hard to do that on the, on the, on the timeline of a film and making a, a film, you know, films are greenlit and then they're shot. You know, as soon as a film is ready to happen, it happens. Investors don't like their money sitting in escrow for two years, you know? So, um, I guess we would say it was a, a gift and a blessing in retrospect uh, at the time, it was miserable, but uh, the gift in, in retrospect was that we did have time to work on the songs, you know, even at the end, which I hope we do get to talk about uh, working on producing uh, uh, at the end of the process after the movie shot in the year of pandemic, we were actually afforded some time to produce them properly and, and, and hone the pieces, not just the songs, but the score. Who knows, maybe we wouldn't have had, you know, if if, if um, some magic film producer had just shown up at my house and gave me the money to make the movie and we just did it, who knows, we might not have the, as strong songs and scores we do. 
the interesting thing, having kind of been involved with it all along, but also watching the music from the side, is that you've got these songs that you wrote specifically, these have to be in there, they are central to it. Then you have these ancillary songs that are kind of fun, they're important. They're the secular band songs or something like that. You know, they've got to rewrite, you know. And then you have these third level songs that are really far out there and you can have a lot of fun and just kind of, you know, go wherever you want to with those. And then you have, you kind of created a, what I'm referring to as a sound design and score with stuff like the Arcade uh, Reigns track. So... Tell me about that sort of uh, concentric circles of songs from the central ones we've already talked about to the, the next rung out of the, the evil bands to the, the background song to the ones that are like the video game songs. Like, How did you think through that to create the design of how this world is going to sound? Was it a patchwork or was there a, a thought process from the beginning that then you went out and executed? Well, I think it was built, it was all building blocks. It was built, 316 was what is the foundation to these songs for the movie. Like that, and, the, and that's how the, the score ended up coming out of the 316 songs because we, we like that idea. But even before the score happened, there were the 316 originals. There were 316 uh, uh, cover songs that were part of the assignment, so to speak. That was Chris's vision. These are the songs. I want 316 to cover these songs and they're, you know, a handful of those. That band happened first. All those recordings happened first. And then the Bloody Mass song, that's a key scene in the movie. And that song needed to kick butt. <laughs> and it had to do its own thing. And so in a similar process, Chris wrote those lyrics. Uh, and we we discussed the you know the person or, or not necessarily the personalities of this band, but who who they are, where they're from. They're from Norway. They're scary. They're scarier than anything these Christian kids can imagine. And let's have fun with that. Same thing though. Let's make a great song if we can. Let's make it. Let's make a really cool song with these <laughs> these kind of these kind of dirty lyrics. <laughs> yeah, that that band um, called Bloody Mass definitely is uh, supposed to be a a, a dirty. Uh, sexual, gross kind of lyric, but it, it, the conception of that band is, at, you know, the rock band in a a chick comic book or tract, like a Jack Chick tract, you know, that were very anti rock and roll, but very much rock and roll is demonic, and um, and so, and I just have a memory of seeing things like those comics and and those little uh, the comic books in the tracts where. A rock band would be playing; they'd just be screaming something that just seemed, you know, insidious and dirty. And so um, I thought it would be that that band song, which is called "Love," they just need to be screaming about love, which is is not the same love that Three Sixteen has been singing about. It's not uh, agape; um, it is definitely eros. <laughs> but Daniel's right; like the song still has to be good because it's gotta if they if 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 the secular, uh, the the evil bands in the movie play music that's terrible, then you, you just scratch your head and say, why would a bunch of people be going to that show? Like why, and why would that intimidate oh, 316? Um, but seeing the spectacle of that band and hearing them play, uh, which is, um, you know, a real 
important moment in the movie, just like, oh man, you've arrived and you are, you are now at the concert in hell. And now what do you do? 316 uh, was really important. And then real quick, and, Dan, and you, we- you actually got to play the lead singer in the movie. Was that, yeah. that was a, a thought later on. Um, but uh, th- that's your first movie role. I understand other than the movie about you. My, my acting debut, Stig Foss. Yes. The singer and bass player uh, from bloody math. And you did a good job. Uh, it was very convincing. Chris White gets all the, all the, uh, all the thanks for that peer pressure. I like how your mic is like up and you're singing up into it. That's Lemmy. Lemmy. That's yeah. totally Lemmy. That's Lemmy from Motorhead. Yeah. And, and, and they are like bloody mass is kind of, there are, there are a motorcycle band. And just, just when you think that's as scary as it can get, there's Satan's clutch. They're so scary. They're not even allowed on the screen. No, we couldn't, we couldn't put them on the screen and keep, keep a PG rating. Oh, Wow. Uh-oh. God doesn't even want us talking about that. Chris literally just got knocked off the feed. <laughs> wow. Jack Chick is having his way with this Hi. podcast right now. He doesn't even have his headphones on. He yeah. literally just got knocked off the feed. His headphones wow. knocked off his head. Either Satan's Clutch or Jack Chick just intervened. Was, it was, that, was that Gargamel? Was that Gargamel yeah. knocked you over? <laughs> he did. Didn't pay proper respect. <laughs> So now you've got the original music tracked, at least tracked enough to film to it. Um, now, what about all the the glue music, the the stuff like the? I remember we were listening. We were we were planning on putting a, a needle drop in the radio in the kitchen when the mom and and Eric are hanging out. It was supposed to be a banal CCM song. So I had several options, you know, that I had found, and that was going to be and instead you went and created that song we just just to put at a level no one will actually hear it's just like so quiet (laughs) it's so quiet in the scene and then and then we get to find out if we read the credits of the soundtrack that that's the band whose naked picture is drawn on the side of the joy explosion and they they have this syrupy uh worship song so that's what I mean by that next circle out, the, the sort of luxury of being able to create these songs that just add to that ambience. Tell me about that step. Like what, what was going on in the thinking for those types of songs? We had way too much time on our hands <laughs> and we were having way too much fun. But, and I say that facetiously because that is what should happen when artists are locked in and creating. It was, it was a, um, I, I think this is fair to say, uh, Daniel, it was a, it was kind of like a two, two and a half, I don't know, three year, uh, jam session where it, it kind of became a conversation where we just keep pushing, you know, there's, there's an, a little bit of budget here. There's a little bit of space. Um, let's populate the movie with something else. Let's not license a song. If we're going to spend the money to license a song, why don't we record a song? And if we were going to record a song, what would that song be? Oh my gosh, we've got that that RV that's got this band called Joy Explosion. We haven't heard a word from them. What if they had a hit Christian song? What would it be like? And so that's where all that stuff comes from. It's, it's from 
some of it, it's just the practical. Do we have the budget and time to do it? But a lot of it is just getting out of the way of artists, creating a space where the artists can just jam together. And, and that's why there's layers to the music in the movie that shouldn't be in the movie, you know, a, a movie of this budget and this size. We cared about it. We made that happen. We created that space for it to happen. And that's why we have, you know, <laughs> a joke song for, you know, maybe, maybe a couple thousand people in the world will think that's the funniest song they've ever heard. But it, it make, gives a depth to the world of the movie that it wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah, and, and, and we had a momentum going in, and it, it was working. So let's just keep going. Let's just let's look for areas that we can we can make more new music together. And uh, and but it was this it was a similar process as, of of all the pretend bands in that Chris is creating these characters. I keep going back to that, but that's the point. And then writing the lyrics, and then we discuss kind of what should it sound like we trade music and then and then i just write something and send it back in the in the case of we just uh ellen my wife and i wrote that together she sings on that so i guess really that's ellen and i on the side of that rv <laughs> no the other the, well it's it's two women and a man but it, actually the other guy the other person would be john mark painter because he he <laughs> he brings the fretless bass to it <laughs> That was John Mark Painter and Greg, yes. <laughs> oh, no, don't even give me ideas. There's going to be a, a reworking of the Joy Explosion illustration with you and Ellen and John Mark Painter. <laughs> so, so uh, yes, John was very – so I sent, I sent John for that song. I sent John the, uh, the synth part that we wrote and our vocals, and John just went to town with the uh, – with, with the fretless bass and the drum machines. And he really worked that triangle. I mean, that, that tri if you listen carefully, that triangle work is unbelievable. <laughs> wow. We just, we just, we just, we just, we just, we just. So you've got primary songs, secondary songs, tertiary songs, and now let's talk about the score. Um, it's, a, it's a different kind of approach to doing the score. So, uh, and what I noticed, in my opinion, is that at that level, that's where the movie starts to not sound exactly like an 80s movie. It's no longer really set in the 80s right like the story is happening in the 80s but and the the songs are 80s rock songs but there's these the sonic element that's kind of pulling it to today with some of that score stuff because it sounds very modern to me like in a in a hip kind of indie way so tell me about the the thinking behind the score and how you blended all those things like pulling elements of certain songs into it and all that stuff how did that work um, well, technically, this is an aesthetic um, consideration. The film is a memory. The film Electric Jesus is a memory movie. Somebody's telling us about something that happened years ago. And, you know, at least with me, with my memories, they're clouded with, you know, they're, 
mostly untrue, probably. They're probably not that literal, but they're also clouded with my remembering and my reflection ever since whatever happened, right? So, so memories are um, a kind of dreamscape that we can create in. We, I think, Daniel, we did agree that the instrumentation of the score would be um, would be contemporary to the movie. Uh, you know, the, the score would be made by instruments that would exist, you know, in a recording studio in 1986. So I think there was some rule there. But as far as composition, you know, we're, we're scoring a movie and telling a visual story and using music to help us tell the story. So at, in that sense, we're not, nothing about that was in quotation marks. You know, nothing about that was ironically presented or, you know, notice the music, you know, how, how clever this is. We've done it all, you know, we did it, the whole score on a Casio keyboard. You know, I mean, that's that could be an approach. That could be a valid approach for a movie like this. But instead, you know, that's when I just kind of get out of Daniel's way and just say, dream this up. Yeah, and, and that's true. The, the the you know the instruments, which is kind of the palette, uh, we had decided let's keep everything within basically analog. You know, I mean there were there's synthesizers on there, but there are synth sounds that could that would be around in the mid '80s, uh, and then uh, so so that kind of which was great because I like all those sounds. So that was fun to to know that I could work with all that, uh, and so we so there are a couple of things kind of happening at the same time. We we thought wouldn't it be great if if uh, uh commando for christ if if we if i rework those into kind of soft rock versions of these of these sections right so the you know the the, the verse repeating uh and that would be an instrumental and then you know the chorus and some other and the intro is its own piece uh and the same with girl and then so with girl for example you know i'm kind of reworking these things and 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 presenting them to chris and we were kind of at the same time talking about, oh, would maybe girl, the instrumental girl should kind of be the theme song for the girl <laughs> in the movie. So, and it's not that on the nose, but it kind of, it kind, I mean, it appears at all the right moments. And so that's, so we started following that of let's, let's think about these pieces of music kind of conceptually in a, in a way, especially with girl. I think it's fair to say I mean, that's that's the love song. So anytime that that's appropriate, and um, you know, I, I reworked quite a few different versions of Girl, uh, some very stripped down versions. You know, Grand Piano, which I thought was really silly to have Grand Piano playing Commando for Christ melody at a moment, or you know, or, or whatever. That was way fun to do all that. So really, kind of just make all these pieces and then start to put them in and see what works. And then Chris would come back and say, yeah, this, this should be a more maybe fleshed out version of this thing or more scaled back in this scene. And really just, it, I just see the whole thing as just building blocks. So that was the next step of, of starting to put those more major pieces of music in spots where they needed to be for sure. And then there were other areas that were kind of, we weren't sure if it should be a needle drop or original music. And so sometimes I would, I, you know, try to put some things in there. It wasn't working, but you know, and vice versa. And so again, just kind of just trying things out and, and see where it, where it got us. And you were actually scoring it to the picture or were you just creating all those things and giving it to the editor and the editor was playing with that stuff and getting back to you or how is that working? I, I would create the music and then I would put it, 
I would place it in the scene where I thought it worked. And, you know, since I'm a control freak, I would do as much of that myself as possible. <laughs> Which is how it should be done. In the picture edit of the movie, the editor, Scott Lansing, and I had, had placed some temp tracks in different places just to remind us, oh, see, making a film, I don't, I don't like the scoring process. <laughs> it's one of my, I love doing it, but like, well, you know, I, we work so hard in the edit to make the scene work with actors and, and cinematography and art direction. And, you know, we, we fine tune this really beautiful moment of cinema and then music comes in, you know, and music, the first time I hear music with a movie scene that, you know, I've edited, I just feel like, oh gosh, there goes the music telling everybody how to feel, you know, like I, I wanted, I wanted it to be simple and elegant and beautiful and crickets chirping in the background. And now here comes some strings uh, <laughs> and, and all my, you know, all my filmmaker friends just say, sorry, that's one of the tools in the toolbox. You're, you're making movies, you know? Um, so you got to figure out how to deal with it. But early, it was clear that Daniel's score was giving distance, giving space for the, the established cinema to work. It was just bringing it up a level. And I, I think that scene on the trampoline with Sarah and Eric talking, which would have been a variational girl, was the first scene where we, we had a timed and pretty much produced, I don't think it was a demo, maybe it was a little demo-y track that we laid in there. And I can remember, you know, fingers crossed with Scott, okay, here we go, this is what the score is gonna be. And both of us just like starting to tear up watching the scene and like, oh man, this is gonna be good. Do you have a girlfriend? No. Have you ever had a girlfriend? Not so much. Oh, well, um, it, it's, it's probably better that way. Same thing when uh, Eric gives that speech to the band, you know, I'm tired of playing churches and camps. You know, we gotta, we gotta, this, our message is for people that don't go to church and that score there, um, that music there every time gets me. It's perfect, <laughs> perfect for that moment. That was, and it's, it's- That seems a setup for that. <laughs> well, yes, well, yeah, yeah, but, it, but it's, it's also one of the commando themes, right? It's also one of these, we're commandos for Christ. You know, it, it feels like, you know, uh, Henry V and he's inspiring the troops to go out and fight the next day. And the score just comes in so beautifully there. So, but yes, we, we, we typically you're, you're going to lock your picture, um, maybe using some temp score and then you give it to the composer and, and they should deliver timings of, of the songs. And that's, that's what, that's what we did. And even if we had a scene like, you know, in a fine tune, you know, the first edit that we were showing people was maybe about 10, 15 minutes longer than the movie is now. So we did cut some things. I don't know if we had scored things that we cut, but once the picture was locked, there were timings and it was very specific. 
and and we would give Daniel a, a quick time movie of here's a sequence, I need music to go there, and he would he would uh, work it. Cool. Work it out. Chris is right. This band's the real deal. And this opportunity to play 316 songs in a real rock club filled with, filled with lost people. That, guys, this is what it's all about. Look, I don't know about you, but I'm tired of preaching to the choir these churches and camps. I mean, half of these people, they think all rock is evil. They don't want to hear our music. We should play somewhere where they do. I want to make Jesus famous. I think this will be the last question, but tell me, Daniel, about the soundtrack album now that it exists and you can listen through. You're an artist who's made a bunch of albums and you know what it's like to finally get an album done and listen through it and kind of assess it when, when you, this is unique in your catalog for sure. So how do you, uh, how do you absorb this and, and how does it hit you as you go back and listen to all of this music? Um, how does it strike you and what kind of feelings does it elicit and how do you feel about the soundtrack as a work apart from the film? I think it's a great record. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I couldn't be more proud to be part of it. And, and I love that we kept going. So we, you know, we just, we, 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 covered the score but then after that uh we're putting a soundtrack together let's just keep going <laughs> what other characters from the movie did were not represented and so there were a few more soul exclamation and and then and then there was some you know kind of i don't know if, if i shoehorned it in but I wanted to put some danielson songs on there too there was one uh that ended up being called um uh, 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 passing through Wall of Flame, and uh, there's an instrumental version of that that's kind of the Purgatorio uh, theme song as you're introduced to the Purgatorio. So I added lyrics to that, vocals. That's on the soundtrack, so it's a slightly different version. Um, and then and then had some fun with a couple covers and and a, uh, an original with uh, that I was fortunate to get uh, lost lyrics from Larry Norman's. Uh, uh, brother and family and i uh, was allowed to write new music to that and which one is that what's the name of that one uh, come and save me and so um all those danielson songs are just well two are covers but they're 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 my nod to jesus music that i grew up on and uh and have fun with and then it, you know a new track as well but the whole the whole piece uh, the whole album as as a as a collection or uh, yeah, it's, it's. I think it's a great record, and it's 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 all over the place. And and I think right now, between now and when the the movie comes out, it, it it's a slow burn, right? So I mean, I think I think people can have fun with it now and and enjoy it on a certain level. I think once people see the film, I think they're going to go back and enjoy it on it on a, another level. I really believe that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's it's it reminds me that how for a while there it's been, and maybe even still to some extent. But definitely in the 90s and the early 2000s, 
it was pretty common for there to be a film with a soundtrack and then they would even put out a music inspired by so these songs had nothing to do they weren't in the movie there but there was just artists that were gonna i loved this narnia movie so i'm gonna write a song inspired by it and then they would you know put out an album full of songs so it felt like you even had kind of songs inspired by electric jesus uh on the soundtrack made by the same people that made electric it's like we combined it and we put it all on the same thing for you so it was that's a lot of fun and it's really uh the the tracking of the record is such that listen to it straight through and and it is an experience you know like i, I remember you know i used to always listen to records from you know, side A to side, you know, all the way through. And I feel like the way we put the songs together, they are echoing maybe the story and the themes in the movie, but they are their own things. It's its own listening experience, which um, was important to us that we could make a product that was was standalone. You know, if, if, you, if somebody never sees the movie, will this still be an entertaining record to listen to in it? I think it definitely is. That's going to do it for this episode of the Electric Jesus Podcast. A big thanks goes out to our guest, Daniel Smith. You'll be hearing from him more on future episodes of the show, by the way. And of course, our host, the writer, director, and producer of Electric Jesus, Chris White. For more information about the Electric Jesus film, visit electricjesusfilm.com and make sure to sign up for the email list, also known as the G's Team. You should also check out the Electric Jesus YouTube channel and Facebook groups for great behind-the-scenes videos, updated information about the film, and more. All links are available on the show notes page. This podcast is produced by myself, John J. Thompson, and Bruce A. Brown for Gyroscope Productions and is intended for the private use of our listening audience. Everything on the Electric Jesus podcast is used by permission or under fair use provisions. And with the exception of previously copywritten materials is the intellectual property of Blue Tape Records, LLC, and is protected by U.S. copyright law. Next time on the Electric Jesus podcast, one of the architects of Jesus Rock, Res Vans Glenn Kaiser talks with us about what the Jesus music revolution was really all about. What it was like to marry the gospel and hard rock when that was still a no-no. And what he had to say to bands like 316 when he met them out on the road. Really think about what you're doing. There are a lot of people that have gone shipwreck in their mm. faith who went to Nashville no. to make it, whether Christian scene, mainstream industry, whatever. There are a million people out there. What are you bringing to the table that's so special? He said that he had your number. You cut the telephone line. You say you needed a reason. He said there ain't much time. You kept trying to avoid it. And you kept knocking on the door. In a flash it was over. You were a That's when the